There now appear to be four constants in life. Death, taxes, cell capitulating away from home, and something stopping all three of us being able to podcast at the same time. My name is Lewis, and welcome back inside the Shark Tank. We're recording this Tuesday night due to a, bit, due to a bout of man flu caught down in Leicester over the weekend. And as a result, unfortunately, James can't be with us tonight. However, the two most important members of the podcast, Alex and yours truly, are here. Alex, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, mate. You're going to regret that next week, aren't you, when he's back? <laughs> oh, it's okay. James has already started throwing shade because uh, he offered to, to pre-record uh, an introduction uh, for this week's podcast, uh, which uh, which you'll be able to hear in a second. And he's, uh, yeah, he's, 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 he's not minced his words. Take a listen. So, Lewis's illness getting in the way of me being on the podcast. I'm sorry, listeners. It's a real shame. And I know that some of you would have wanted me and Alex just to do it ourselves without Lewis. But, I mean, really, it is Lewis's podcast and he's kind of pulled rank. So, even though the analysis will be a little bit substandard this week, um, I will do my best um, in a couple of different sections to bring my thoughts. Anyway, let's get right into it. Sale travelled down to Walford Road on Sunday, ultimately losing 35-27 to Leicester in what was actually a superb end-to-end back-and-forth game of rugby. We've got loads of opinions on this, as of you guys who've been sending your three-word reviews. But before that, let's switch back to James, who uh, who's dying to tell you uh, all his thoughts about the game. So, um, my firstly, my thoughts on the game at the weekend versus Leicester. Um, I thought, you know, we, look, we played really, really well. Um, and the performance was there and sometimes you, you ask for the performance and, and maybe don't worry too much about the result. What's so frustrating is that we continue to have this issue with mentality in the final 20 minutes um, and that is something we're really going to have to fix. It's really fine margins. There are about three games this season that could have gone the other way and, and quite honestly we would have been in and around the top four um so you know it's not all bad i think the performance is there my question is does this team have the leadership and the mentality to become true winners like saracens are you know saracens that you know that they they just do what it takes to win and some of our guys need to become a little bit more bit more pragmatic about the way we play but i don't want to take too much away from him i thought that you know there was a couple of times where you know, Leicester struck back really, really quickly and, and, and Sale could have kind of switched off. But actually, it really spurred us on. We played some absolutely fantastic attacking rugby and the game was, was there for us to win. And we, we were the better side. Um, and to not come away with a losing bonus w- was a shame. Um, great to score four tries. And, and we're now actually the second sort of highest try scorers in the Premiership for this year. So tax can, you know, obviously going well. Um, how is game management, um, leadership? going at the moment um, that is, would be my other take out um, another message for dimes please 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 stop the 6-2 bench split I mean you're not even using the six forwards um, to make a difference with the game it's not winning as a game we knew that and then you know we went to the Anglo-Welsh and still we haven't changed it so you know looking ahead now um, you know you've got to worry about about the confidence um, you know, I think you, you look ahead to the next two 
two games, next three games really. In the next three games, we've got Saints at home, Worcester away, and Bath at home. And you think that, you know, we've got to win at least two of those and we should win all three. And in fact, if you take into account the fixtures to the end of 2017, uh, with uh, back-to-backs against Cardiff um, in the Challenge Cup and a home game, I think it is, uh, or no, an away game against against Gloucester, um, then there's no reason why we shouldn't go to the end of the year unbeaten. But, you know, the confidence is the big question. Worcester won at the weekend. London Irish got a losing bonus point. And quite frankly, if we don't win two out of the next two, next three, then we are in a relegation battle. Um, and pressure, as we showed last year, you know, really is a difficult thing to deal with and, and can, and can stunt the way that you play. So let's fingers crossed, you know, we, we turn up, we beat Northampton and we, we, we can start looking up the table rather than down. And we thank James for being <laughs> such a large presence on this podcast that he still manages to talk to us uh, even when uh, even when he can't tune in with us live. Alex, there's loads to, loads to dissect here and I know you've got a, a big bumper uh, stats segment coming up due to our new friends at Opta uh, name check. Um, but first and foremost, 35-27 away at home, uh, away at home, away to Leicester uh, in what was, in my opinion, a very winnable game considering who Leicester had uh, had away in international duty. What, what are your sort of first takeaways from this, from, from, from the result? Yeah, I was, I thought it was winnable before the game. I didn't think we would win it. I think I predicted 35-14 last week, didn't I? But I did think we could win it and I thought we would inevitably disappoint. And to be honest, nothing changed my mind so I was listening to the the joyful commentary of BBC Radio Leicester for this one um, which featured one Welshman who seemed to sort of have a normal amount of bias and then one man called Steve who thought that everything Ellis Genge did was the most perfect (laughs) thing in existence so from that um, it sounded like we just didn't we did our usual away tactic of attacking really well and defending incredibly poorly I mean so you were there obviously so what was is that is that basically what happened? I mean that, that's as succinct a summary as you can get because um, I, I want to go on the record and say this is the best sale performance away from home I've seen for a good couple of years. We came out the starting box uh, on fire. Uh, we played with ambition. We played with intent. We played with strategy. James O'Connor at ten looked very handy in terms of dictating um, the backline play, and he played very flat. Uh, in a way that we had Danny in the way that we did when we had Danny Cipriani, and it sort of unlocked this extra dimension. So from the start of the game, you had um, these beautiful flat passes, you know, to John Ross to Ben Curry bursting through the line, and you also had this really extravagant backline play, moving the ball through the hands uh, and and sort of carving the Tigers' defense open. And and going forward, it's really hard to fault Sale. I know it's against a, a weakened Leicester team. Um, but the manner in which we played, even when O'Connor went off uh, midway through the first half with a, with a concussion, um, the way Sale played was was brilliant going forward. It was incisive, it was ambitious. Um, you know, Marlon Yards um, uh, nabbed a try on his debut. He looked very sharp going forward. Um, Mike Haley, uh, Fafter Clerk and Sam James all had really good stints in that sort of playmaker 10 role, dictating the backline play. Sale were fantastic going forward and, and were, you know, good value for the 27 points scored. The problem is, they were at Leicester were also good value for the thirty-five points they scored. And what my biggest sort of takeaway from this is, is, is a mentality problem. There is no other way about it because as soon as Sale would put four or five points up on on Leicester and start to build a lead, did Leicester would kick off, Sale would give away a silly penalty, and the Tigers would cut the deficit. Mm. And 
it, it's really frustrating because Sale, this is a game with 15 minutes left, Sale will leave in 27-23. And as I alluded to at the start, they, they just capitulated at the end. Uh, and I know BBC Radio Leicester's presenters are typically you know, very Tigers-orientated, but my goodness, did Ellis Genge have a good game. He was absolutely superb. And the lack of game changer in that tight five for Sale is what really cost them because backline... Uh, in the backs, they were superb and definitely a good match for Leicester. Uh, even with O'Connor, you know, I thought that the tactical kicking wasn't too bad. Although there was a few few stinkers, it was in that front five where uh, where Sale uh, really got our muscled and ultimately where they lost the game. Alex, you've probably you've, you know you've gone back and watched the highlights and, and dug through the stats. Is that is that something that sort of corresponds to your analysis of the game? Yeah, I think it's probably indicative of the other issue which has come out of this game, which is. Um, so my dad said to me when we were discussing the game on a little debrief he said are we lacking finishers because you look at what England did against Australia at Twickenham on Saturday and I don't wish to you know say that that's the solution but England against Australia the last 20 minutes they've got players coming on the bench who can win them the game or can hold out a tight game Danny Kerr comes on and plays really well Jamie George comes on and just puts a shifting up front and I think that's part of what we're lacking, that squad depth in terms of quality coming off the bench. Um, and also a reluctance to use the bench anyway. So that's probably, you know, you've got you've got six forwards on the bench, and this is a point I'm coming on to later. You've got six forwards on the bench. Even if they're not the quality of your starters, which you wouldn't expect them to be, you still want to bring them on in order that they've got a bit more gas and a bit more stamina. And they're going to be, you know, but then the other issue is that we've got two backs on the bench and our fly-off goes off after 23 minutes with an HIA, which is an eminently foreseeable thing to happen. And somehow we've ended up with our 13 at 10, our 14 at 13. We've got the rest of the field, fine, but then Jennings can't come off and have a rest. You know, you're putting pressure on people. And I don't know whether this was borne out, but... If you've got Sam James, who's an excellent cover defender, but not a great tight defender, as we've seen and as we've discussed on this podcast, at 10, and then Denny Solomona, who, with all due respect, his defence is his weakest aspect of his game by far, in the 13 channel, you're going to concede tries. And, you know, it's just, it's so frustrating from that point of view that there's a bit of, you get to 27 22 up, and what good teams do is they close the game out, they get upfield, they kick a penalty, the defence is tight. And we've got a tight defence when we're at home, but when we're away, that seems to fall to pieces. And we haven't got the bench to back it up. You've, you've hit the nail on the head, and I think that's the most frustrating thing about games like this, is that, so the two problems that cost Sale on Sunday, one is this, this, this mentality. That this, we, I mean, how many times do we have to see Sale sort of capitulate away from home to, to not, not accept that this is... This is a coaching problem. This is a mentality problem. There is something in this team and how it is coached and structured that is not conducive to winning away from home. That's a that's a self-made problem. And the other problem, yeah, it's a lack of bench depth. And it's we hear all this all this rhetoric about the money being put into the club and the investment being made, but yet we we still don't have any adequate forward depth. And I mean, you preempted my point perfectly on Saturday on Sunday. Sorry, Sale had eight replacements. Six of them were forwards. Two of them. Uh, were um, backs and we've said ad nauseum on this podcast it, it, it's, it's a it's a strategy from a bygone era and this idea that okay so but if you're going to do it you, you know you operate it you try and outmatch team up front 
Sale got beat on Sunday because they got out much outmatched up front, and a huge part of that was we had six forwards on the bench, and we used one of them, and that was Mark Jones for Rob Webber. James Flynn is not trusted to perform in the Premiership. That that much is clear. Nothing on him, or is it playing ability? He's just clearly not trusted. Alex Taros, who is a who's a Roman inter- Romanian international tight head, who has played very well in the start uh, in the, uh, the the starting sort of eight or nine rounds of the Premiership was not played. So we have both our props playing 80 minutes. We have Mark Jones coming on for Rob Webber. That, that, was, that was a fair, fair move. We then had George Knott on the bench, who isn't trusted apparently in the Premiership. We have Cam Neald, who, wasn't trust, who isn't trusted in the Premiership, even though Ben Curry, who played his heart out, was getting really, really badly penalised multiple, on multiple occasions by the referee and was clearly done something wrong. And then you've opted to have Sam Moore on the bench, who is, who is an 18-year-old, um, he played six minutes. Six minutes. Oh, there, we, there we go. I, di- I didn't even notice him on the field yeah. because because he's an eighteen-year-old asking to be uh, asking to produce a, a, a match-winning performance against this huge Leicester pack. And it, it in just six bogg- minutes as well. Yeah, it just boggle it boggles my mind. Like I understand we're we're, we're short at loose head and we're short at lock, but surely George not for fifteen minutes into the, the game is going to be uh, better value than Andre Ostrikov or. Alex Taros for 25 minutes on Wilgriff John, who was completely done over by Ellis Genge. Genge had a superb game, and you know John, you know, wasn't the reason why Sale lost this game. But when you've got a player performing so well for that Leicester team at number one, why not switch things up and I'd put a bit of pressure on him at the scrum and maybe you know knock his game off in other capacities? I just don't understand why Sale insists on playing a six-two split and then not playing any of their any of their players. And it goes back to the, the real problem, which is. With AJ McGinsey away with the USA, we don't have a backup 10. James O'Connor still isn't a 10. Fafta Clerk isn't a 10. Sam James isn't a 10. We have one fly half who isn't a 17-year-old in the entire squad. And when he wasn't available. And because of that, we, we, we missed 10 points off the tee. And I just... I'll put this to you, Alex. I've just, I've just made a lot of points about how, sale, how sales' depth problems are self-inflicted because we still haven't signed a loose head or a, lock or a, or a third-choice fly half. Which of those is still has become the most pressing? Do you think it's loosehead? Do you think it's lock? Or do you think it's do you think it's the lack of third choice number ten who can come in and kick the points to clerk misses uh, misses from the tee? Oh, oh, there's the question. Um, I think there is a, a gap in uh, loosehead because what's happened is we've got a starter, and the way we have tended to operate is that behind that starter you have a promising academy kid. And what we haven't got at the moment is a promising academy kid because we've does, got James Flynn, who sorry, I just, sorry, yeah, sorry, James. Does Flynn count as an academy kid anymore? He's no, he's no, he's, 20, just, he's twenty-three, and I know yeah. props, you know, take longer to develop the game, but he's he's been in around the cell first team for a few years now, and he's clearly not trusted to be an adequate replacement. So why haven't Sale gone out and signed another loose head to compete with Harrison? I just don't understand it. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand what. Flynn is still doing there in terms of we're not going to play him. He's you know he gets a bit of game time in England. Well, I don't mean from his point of view. From his point of view, he's trying to make it. That's fine. But from our point of view, we're putting him on the bench, and then he's clearly not trusted because the only time he ever comes on is when we've either won a game or lost a game. So that's frustrating. I don't think Locke is a massive issue. I think George Knott deserves more trust from Dimes. I think he had a really good game in the Anglo Welsh. He looked at the same standard as Ben Curry, and Ben Curry's in the team starting. So playing 80 minutes minus his 10 minutes in. Um, 
so and then fire off is a bit of a strange one because we sort of haven't we knew that it was a bit of an issue but we thought we could get away with it i think i think some i don't think fire off is a massive issue if you've got someone who can come in at center but we haven't that's you know so we've got we've got some weakness at fly half and some weakness at center and sunday saw us have a massive weakness at fly half and a massive weakness at center and they were kind of exaggerated by events. Um, obviously, Van Rensburg's coming in now, but he's more of a 12. still think we're lacking a 13 behind Sam James. And as you say, I still think uh, a fly-off to kick is um, is necessary, I think. You know, Faf is a, a good kicker, but he's not a consistent kicker. That much has been proven. This, this is, I mean, I'm going to preempt your stats here. This is the biggest takeaway I had from Sunday, is that, De Klerk nailed two superb touchline kicks, and uh, you know, broadly speaking, had a very good game. But he missed uh, he missed a penalty from right in front of the post. His first kick of the game, and he shanks it to the right. And uh, you know, I'm not going to blame De Klerk for, for Sale's loss. Uh, but at the end of the day, if he makes that kick, which I probably could have made, and that's not a that's that's not that much of a boast, you know, that puts Sale to 30 points, and it gives them an, an extra. But um, an extra losing bonus point. It's just those fine margins that mean Sale are coming away from games that they should have won. Sale should have won that. Sale should have come away from Walford Road with five points, or they should have come away with at least two points. But then they came away with one point, and it's 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 just the squad imbalance and, and the lack of depth that we have that that's that's uh, accentuating the, the, these problems. But obviously, you know, we have a lot of opinions, and we've asked you for yours as well. We asked you for your three word reviews as we do every week, and uh, this this we might have actually had the most replies. Yet for this for this segment, um, because everyone has uh, some quite uh, some quite varied opinions on on, on Sunday's game and, and in general. So Will Wheeler, uh, poor discipline costs, absolutely true. Uh, I'm sure Alex will talk about this in the stats later. But Sale were absolutely pinged off the park, uh, including two yellow cards, one for Ben Corey and one for Marlon Yard. Jack Worthy changed the kit. That that's absolutely fine. We've uh, yeah. we've been over that. Hard Agree. Nonsense. Yep. This, and, well, yeah, you, you want to talk about mentality. There's something about that yellow kit that uh, that stops us winning away from home. Uh, Robin Southern Curry for captain. I assume he's talking about Ben, but I mean, why not? Why not roll with two? Uh, Kieran Duffy, Denny not centre. Uh, spot on is his impact on the game, or at least potential impact, was completely mitigated by the position switch. Martin McCraw, encouraging and frustrating. That's a very fair. That's very fair. Seller boss watching on teletext. Kyle away day blues. Kieran Critchard. Uh, Critchard, uh, ill-disciplined cost does. There's a hyphen, so it counts as three words. Martin Whiteley, third week lucky. Chris Headley, take the positives. Okay, you you can do that, Chris. Um, uh, Toy uh, Tobias, uh, bet. I don't know why I've pronounced it like that. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be Toby's. Uh, better away loss. There's some merit in that. I'm still still going. There's absolutely loads. Hugo Scott, too many penalties. Gareth Cornelius, six uh, two split, shocking. Ian Leslie, wins will come. Uh, and Paul Barnes, big chance lost. I agree with pretty much all of those sentiments. Um, Alex, how, how worried are you? Because oh, I'm not worried. I'm not worried, mate. It's going to be fine. I do think we need to, you know, I'm I, I'm conscious of coming on the pod and just ranting about how annoyed I was because Sunday was a really frustrating day, just in terms of knowing that we were good enough to win it beforehand, knowing that we showed enough in the game to win it and getting one point out of it is it was just so so frustrating to you know lose like that so 
that's why I'm frustrated. But at the same time, we've got to put a better away performance in. If you look at our away performances over the season, we are starting to get there. I think this is an opportunity lost, but I, I don't think the season is going to be decided by our away form at, Leicester, at places like Leicester. I think if we'd snuck a win, great. We haven't. It comes down to can you beat North, can you beat Worcester away? Can you beat Irish away? Can you start winning some of those bigger home games? So you know we've got to be targeting. Obviously, if you go to the club, it's one game at a time, and it's you know every game you target a win. But Northampton is a game where we should target a win. It's another international weekend. You know, Hartley's still with England, I think. Yeah. No Courtney Here's Laws. Francis, Courtney Laws. They've got big players out, so we've got a target a win. We don't have big players out. We've got Strauss, De Klerk. Not sure about O'Connor, but you know we've got players. We've got Van players Rensburg. Big, Van Rensburg, who probably will come in. Yard, who had a great game on Saturday, I think, by all Until accounts. Look great going forward. Actually, the yellow card. I've seen it. That's no way. That's the yellow card. I know well, it's cumulative, but yeah. I Yard, just. Um... I felt a bit harsh on Yard on Twitter afterwards because going forward he looked really good um, took his try really well defensively he was pretty solid as well um, but yeah just a lot, it had a bit of a nightmare in the last 10 minutes uh, completely misjudges that kick and, and I think if, if the ball is going over clearly over your head because it's a shot to nothing let's make no bones about it if you know the ball is going over your, uh, over your head turn around and then just hit the man as soon as he, as soon as he catches it and drive him into touch Leicester still might have scored from that um, but it obviously it was just a bit of a, a bit of rush of blood to the head in, in trying to jump for the ball when he was uh, never going to get it. And then obviously, yeah, it was a cumulative yellow card for a high tackle. That was something, as, as many people have alluded to, was a big problem for sale on, on, on Saturday, uh, on Sunday even. Um, but okay, you're not worried. That, that, I'm not worried. Fine. Are you worried, mate? Are you are you concerned? I will be if we don't beat Northampton, because <laughs> then all the, if, if, if I mean if you beat Northampton, and I think Sale definitely can and should. Then, we've, you know, it's 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 finally that you know we're finally starting to see the results, you know, from our endeavours. And I think I want to reiterate that point. The sale played very very well for the first sixty minutes. Every time um, they conceded points, they did manage to gain well and go back down the other end and score. They kept building the lead, or at least kept building the score line. And the first ten minutes were I've not seen sale play like like that in the first ten minutes of a game for, for a long time. Um, they they completely blew. Leicester out of the water um, and and looked you know look you know they looked good value for for their early lead and and you know if if, if some decisions had, had gone the other way um, for example uh, Toulouse Vianano, um was yellow carded for a deliberate knock on in the second minute um, with uh, with De Klerk um, racing through unopposed if that had been given as a penalty try I think Sale could have scored twenty points in that for that that first sort of 10-15 minutes because they, they they played so efficiently and effectively and ambitiously there was really it was really encouraging to watch but lose next week that that away game to Worcester um, becomes absolutely massive because I, look I I think we all agree we don't think Sale are going to go down but was to beat Northampton and got five points last week. You know, if they beat us, that's four. That's an eight-point swing towards Worcester. Then it gets very, very nervous going into Christmas, and you could throw all the money at the world. But again, if if the depth and the coaching isn't there, then then we we do run into problems. Um, we we've, we've got over Leicester quite a lot now, and I think and I know you want to get to get to um get to some some very interesting stats that that we now have. Um, so I'm gonna gonna hand over to you. 
Yes, mate, this week's stats come from Opta, so a massive thank you to them and to Ben at Opta, who've sorted us out with a wealth of stats that I couldn't even begin to comprehend and get my head around, but I've tried anyway. Um, the only place to start is penalty count, 18 conceded by sale against Leicester's five, as pointed out by virtually the whole world on Twitter. 16 of those penalties were given away on defence, um, which is, you know... Two on attack, I think. One was a whole, uh, not releasing. Um, ben Curry conceded three of those. One not rolling. Two collapsing them all. Obviously, one of those he got a yellow card for. Um, I just wanted to talk about that quickly. Having watched that, I am less convinced that it was a yellow because it looked to me as if Tom Youngs had broken away from them all. I don't know what you thought at the time at the game. It Cumulative, because... Yeah. I spoke. I spoke about um, the, the tight five being being overwhelmed by by the Leicester counterparts, and it, and it was it was a case of every time Leicester kicked to the corner, they thought they were going to score from the mall, and it was about the third or fourth time that there had been an infringement uh, at the mall. So I can com- completely understand why uh, why why Curry was binned, uh, unfortunate as it was. Mm. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. I did. I got very annoyed when I was listening on the radio because I hadn't seen it that we'd given another penalty try away from a five metre line out. Mm. We need to stop doing that because they're, if they're going to score, put make them in the corner, make them go for the conversion, don't lose a man for 10 minutes anyway. Um, so yeah, all the penalties, four were for offside, which is just poor. Three collapsed malls, which kind of backs that up. Three for not rolling. And one annoyingly for dissent from Rob Webber, which is just, you know, if, if you're in a game conceding 18 penalties, it frustrates me that you concede. I get that players get frustrated, but Rob Webber's been around long enough. Come on, mate. Um, possession, 44%. Territory, 48%. Yet again, Sale are playing without the ball. It's worked sometimes this season. Gloucester being a prime example. Leon, another decent example of a good performance. But most of the time, we're having virtually none of possession. You know, in terms of Prem games, the last time we had the majority of possession in a Premiership game was Irish at home. So every other game since then has been, you know, 42, 44, 38, 36. That was Leon. Um, so ignore that one, 41 extra. I could go on. Um, seven turnovers conceded, which is, um, again, pretty poor. This is, I know these are really negative. There are some good ones coming up at some point, I'm sure. Um, five of those turnovers were drop balls. Just, it's one of those where Sale have this thing away where they can't tackle and they can't or they can't defend properly and they seem to drop a lot of balls and make a lot of silly mistakes um, so that's pretty frustrating and then the worst one of the lot 43% kick um, success which we've talked about already um, so I'll leave that there for the negative ones Coming on to please one. yeah please please come back soon AJ McGinty I know, I know. Sale don't value you properly, but but we do. We do, we do. We we miss you, AJ. Um, <laughs> scrums and line out, hundred percent on both. So passion. I mean, to go to Leicester away and hundred percent scrums and line outs is decent. Um, Evans takes three of those line outs. Ross and Curry one each, and a steal for Rob Webber. Don't know when that happened, but. but I think it's the Leicester's first one. It was just a complete overthrow, and uh, Webber scoops it up at the back. Quality, so that was that's good. At least that's that's one thing from earlier in the season. I mean, we spent you know the first three weeks of the season going our line out and scrum and shambles. So we they've definitely got better in recent weeks, and our scrum's really solid this season. You, you can definitely see the 
progress Salem making in, in a lot of areas. Because mm. remember, the start of the season, we uh, we really struggled uh, to get our backline uh, playing, you know, singing from the same hymn sheet. And now we're starting to see that and the scrum and the line out. I think slowly coming together. Uh, it's just not coming together fast enough. At least that's that's my interpretation that's of it. Yeah, but it's you know it's one of those where I think hopefully it will come together um, at some point. As we have um, sixty points on Northampton on Saturday. Yeah, could well happen, mate. It could well happen. Northampton have been a bit of a Gloucester this season, haven't they? They're up and down. So let's hope. Um, defensively, pretty good again. Eighty-seven percent tackle success. It's fine. It's not amazing, but it's fine. Um, some smashing performances from Will Griff John, 18 tackles made, none missed. Um, perhaps, a, I need to, yeah, perhaps I need to revise my uh, criticism. I think of you John. might do. The, well, the stats say he had a really great game, mate. So, my, uh, my, uh, uh, perhaps I'm just being, I'm just frustrated by, by you know, not seeing my, my favourite sale player, Alexandru Taros, get, get some game time. I just, I think, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Dan's knows something we don't, but I just think. As well as John, you know, has apparently played, it is still a, it's just it's just bamboozling that uh, that we wouldn't opt to bring on a, a fresh pair of legs when we're chasing the game with with ten you know ten fifteen minutes left. But then again, obviously, I'm not, the, I'm not I'm not Steve Diamond and uh, I'm not the stats man. So so back to you, Alex. <laughs> yeah. So just a few more shout outs for good defensive performances. Oshkov, sixteen tackles, uh, one missed. Um, Curry and Harrison both had good defensive performances. Um, some not so good defensive performances. Um, Denny was eight tackles, four missed. That's going to happen, I, and that's the way of the world when you put a winger whose defense isn't great at centre. So nothing on Denny there. Rob Webber nine tackles, four missed, which um, isn't great. And Mark Jennings ten tackles, three missed. So um, still not a not a not a bad performance, but yeah, I did we, think. We we can't we can't bad mouth friend of the pod Mark Jennings friend of the pod Mark Jennings um, ten excellent tackles <laughs> and he did bag a try um, with a lovely Instagram photo to match good uh, friend of the pod Mark Jennings good friend of the pod Mark Jennings um, in terms of just to compare that to Leicester so Leicester actually had a ninety one percent tackle success rate and their pack had a ridiculous game they were uh, between the eight starters they made one hundred eighteen tackles with only nine missed for a tackle rate of 93% in the pack. So it was just, you went through there, if you look at their pack's uh, tackle stats, it is like 18, 18, 18, 16, 19. It's just ridiculous. Um, but, you know, we we still managed to score four tries against them, so they can't have been that good. Um, we made 447 metres in the game. Another good game in terms of metres. Um, we do seem to do well. It's the defence that lets us down. Um, do, you have any, do you have any particularly impressive uh, individual attacking performances? I'm intrigued to yes, see who's, uh, who backed the most brought pieces. Me, you brought me right on to my final part, which, um, given it was his debut this week, I thought Mr. Marlon Yard deserved a special look into. Um, and to be honest, he had a really, really good game, um, which is part of the reason I'm doing it. Um, four defenders beaten, two breaks, nine carries for 111 metres, which is... Um, by far top of the sales stats next most is Mike Haley with 48 um, the only person who got close was Leicester's number 8 and bear with me here Mapapalangi Langa yep um, we've got 107 but from like 20 carries so uh, Marlon Yard made an average of 12.3 metres per carry which is highest in either team by a long way so a really good start and just 
breaking that down a bit, um, one of the reasons Mike Haley is always our top meter maker is because he has a load of kick returns. So I took um, Yard's kick returns out, which were two of them, and he made six carries in play for 57 metres, which is actually you know, a really, really good performance. Um, and then defensively as well, he made seven tackles, only missed one, and won a turnover. So in terms of a debut, stats-wise, Marlon Yard had a really, really good game. Um, and that's a nice little positive to end on, that we seem to have bought ourselves a winger who... Maybe, maybe he had his troubles at Harlequins, and you know, maybe Chris Robshaw will soon be proved wrong. Who knows? Yeah, well, speaking of positives, I wanted to take a, take a brief moment uh, to address something that the club did uh, or has done off the field this week. Um, obviously, most of you will be aware that Premiership Rugby um, supports uh, and the Premier League football as well supports Stonewall which is the uh, L- uh, LGBTQ I think I've got the acronym right there that's right I think yeah, yeah. Um, society and, and, and support of uh, it's put some very important matters relating uh, relating to that particular community um, and I did notice today on, on Twitter and Instagram that Sale have updated their uh, display picture uh, with the with the gay pride flag and I just wanted to, and we, we criticised the club for a lot of different things, both on and off the field. But I did want to just take a moment and, and applaud the club um, for doing that. I think sports and rugby, in particular, is often seen as uh, inherently very sort of masculine, and I don't necessarily think it's it's you know historically been um, the biggest advocate of um, um, gay rights and, and sort of gay rights awareness. Um, so I think it's, it's hugely impressive um, that the club has opted um, to, to display, even if it's just symbolic support um, for you know for for a community that is often sort of marginalised and uh, um, suffers some very unique um, difficulties and prejudices. So big big well done to the club on that. I know uh, I know that they're supporting the Rainbow Laces initiative, um, which I believe it, I believe is Stonewall. Um, and that'll be uh, so you'll see the players wear the rainbow laces uh, in support of gay rights uh, and the LGBTQ community um, on Saturday's game against Northampton uh, anything you want to add to that Alex? No mate I think you put that very well and I fully agree with all of the um, things you just said yeah excellently put couldn't couldn't have said it better myself and speaking of Saturday's game against Northampton Saints uh, we're now <laughs> delighted to go back uh, to James, uh, hunkered down in the caravan somewhere last night. So, looking ahead to our game versus Northampton at home this weekend, um, Northampton are actually coming to us also in a bit of a state. Um, when you actually unpick some of their results recently, um, they haven't actually, well, they've, they've won once, I think, um, since their home win on the 30th of September versus Quinns, and that was in the Anglo-Welsh at home versus the Dragons. So, I mean, really, the Dragons sort of putting out the second side is, you know, that's really going to be no match for, for, for the Saints. So they're, in that time, they've lost at Gloucester. They were hammered at home in the Champions Cup versus Surrey's and lost away at Claremont. Of course, no shame in that. But then they were beaten well versus Wasps and then Exeter across two different competitions. So their comp- their confidence, just like ours, might be starting to wave. Um, but whilst they sit in eighth, they are actually only four points off fourth. 
So I don't think there's anything for them to panic about just yet. Having said that, I didn't want, I think a loss, you know, to us this weekend, it would put us near, near enough level with, with Saints, would put Malander under a severe amount of pressure. He spent, you know, a reasonable amount of money. Their squad has a hell of a lot more depth than ours. And the expectation is that they are a, a top four side. And there's no doubt that in the international period, they really do miss the leadership of Dylan Hartley and Courtney Lords. Um, whereas at Hooker, they've got really and brilliant depth uh, and class actually with Mikey Hayward who steps in for Dylan Hartley during international weekends he's a top hooker for me and if he'd been at another club I think he would have pushed for England but they are actually short in the second row with laws with England uh, Ribbons the, the South African giant is, is injured at the moment James Craig a bit of a squad man he's also injured as is Christian Day um, a, an, of course a, an old Sale Academy lad he's also out as well so there's a big onus, an, onus at the moment on another Sale old boy Michael Patterson in holding it together in the engine room the back row is full of international caps with Tom Wood, Jamie Gibson and Tamana Harrison, who is really starting to revel in playing at number eight. The big question for Saints fans at the moment is number 10. Is Myler a year too far on? And with Francis um, only just really at the club and been suffering with injuries and only just back from injury and bigger not arriving until the summer, you wonder whether they should plump for Harry Malander at 10, having played their best with him in that role throughout the month of September. Malander was deployed at 15 in the loss away at Worcester. Um, a real hammer blow, really, to Northampton's top four hopes um, and a real hammer blow, really, to their to their confidence. Also, a bit of a hammer blow to Sale fans who are hoping to be well clear of relegation this season. Looking further into the backs, Rob Horn is back in a bit of good news for Northampton Saints. He's back playing at 13, filling the, the position of George PC, of course, who's no longer with the club. He's a world-class centre, Rob Horn. Um, he's played a lot on the wing as well at International Rugby for Australia. And Tom Collins, outside him, has established himself well in the first 15. And just to finish, on my head-to-head, I'm really, really, really looking forward to the head-to-head between Faf de Klerk and some of his old chums from South Africa in Cobus Ryanak and Nick Groom. Two very different scrum halves. Ryanak, more of a running scrum half, strong upper body strength. And Nick Groom, more of a kind of Peter Stringer, top-quality passer from the deck, from off both hands. So I think it's going to be an absolutely fabulous game, hopefully. Sailor in good form at the moment. I think if we can get off to a good start, we might actually you know, play Northampton off the pitch. I think a lot of it is down, going to come down to whether some of these injuries in the second row come back for Northampton. If they don't, I'm plucking for a, a sale win for once. Brilliantly put, as always, James. And just like AJ McGinsey, we, we miss you a lot and can't wait to have you back on the podcast next week. Um, I mean, as always, James James has done a really good job of summing up um, some of the opposition to come. And, and, and we, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier, this idea that, you know, Saints have just suffered, a, a, you know, a pretty, a, a pretty shocking loss um, to Worcester uh, for Worcester's first win of the season. They're coming in uh, a bit like Sale, uh, sort of struggling for form a little bit and struggling to put some consistent performances together. Alex, where, you know, is, is this a game Sale can win? Is this a game Sale should win? And if Sale do win, where do you think uh, where do you think the difference is going to be made uh, at the AJ Bell? Uh, can we win it? Yes, 
Should we win it? Yes. Uh, who's going to be the difference? It's probably going to rely on a good performance from James O'Connor, which I expect we'll get. Um, I, we've had good performances from Faf all season. I think if the pack can play like they did against Leicester in terms of matching them, you know, at the set piece, I don't think Northampton bring a lot that we should be scared of. I mean, they've obviously got their strengths. I'm not, so please don't take that as me saying Northampton are rubbish without a scrum and a line-out. I just think that we've, we've got enough talent in the backs to match nay beat them, and we have got enough talent in the forwards to beat them. So, I think, yeah, the difference makers will probably be whether we can get away early and, you know, get tries that we got against Leicester. If we can put a performance in like we did against Leicester with our home defensive record coming into play, then we'll absolutely walk it. Whether we will, it's it's difficult to say because I think there's a lot of a lot of sort of maybes when you're sporting sale and you never really know what's going to turn up. Um, so I would like to think that we should win it and that we'll breeze them. I, I don't think we will. I think it'll be a hard hard game in terms of, as a fan, watching it. I think it's going to be tense, probably. I think we're going to make our life quite hard. Um, that said, now I've said all that, inevitably we're going to win 50-odd to 8 Um because and Marlon Yard's going to get a hat trick or something, but yeah, that's that's I've I've kind of I don't really know whether to be. I think what I predicted last week in my head before the game was we weren't going to live up to our the performance we should put in because I thought if we put the performance we should put in, in we'll win, and we kind of didn't do as badly as I thought we would. So I'm feeling quite optimistic this week that Northampton is I think it's definitely gettable, and I think we probably will win I just we just need to turn up and be on it from the first whistle and especially start the second half in the context of sales season I know you said earlier that sales season isn't going to be defined by their result away at Leicester is it going to be defined by the performance at home against Northampton because I'm looking at the calendar and I'm thinking you know sales still only have two wins in the Premiership this season. This is a huge opportunity. Do you share my sentiment or do you think this is another game that Sale in theory could afford to let slip as long as we're able to beat Worcester and London Irish at home and away? No, I don't think we we can let it slip at all. I think we, we, need, we need to win it. I don't think if we lose it, it's the end of the world. I just think we need to win it because it will give... We've been saying it all season, haven't we? We've been waiting for that sort of that game that's gonna that's gonna turn it and where this team is gonna click. And I think the reason we've been doing that is because we've got all these new combinations and all these new players and it's not quite and I don't think it's gonna quite get there against Northampton either. So it's not gonna be a turning point, I don't think. But I, I do agree that we need to win. And I will be if we lose it just it just turns the season into another slog and another sort of, you know, northern gritty against the odds team, picking up losing bonus points away from home and being happy with it, getting out 
grinding out wins at the AJ Bell on a Friday night. It's um, although obviously not anymore, as your wishes have been granted for Saturday games. Um, I do think it's. It, I think we'll look back and it's a big game. I don't think it's going to be a you know the flashpoint. You know we don't need to build it up into this this game or nothing. But it is. It's there's so much at stake in terms of the direction we go in. And we say we kind of say this once every two or three weeks. This game is going to. And we haven't. The only one where we've come out with any optimism is Gloucester, isn't it? It, it is, but in a very. In a very strange way, I think sells two wins so far this season because of how comprehensive they've been. Yeah, we, as as you said before, we're still looking for that that turning point in the season where you say, okay, this is the real sales team. This is a, a performance you can build on. Because I think you go back and you look at those Gloucester and London Irish London Irish performance, and maybe more so Gloucester than Irish, but it feel they feel a bit flash in the pan. They feel a bit. We won so easily, and every, we, all the bounces went our way, and all the balls went to hand, and everything like that. It, it doesn't feel like it was a proper team performance. It feels like it was a bit of a fluke. And putting fifty-five points on Gloucester, let's make no mistake about it, it was a fluke. Great performance by Sale. You can't fault them because you can only play what's in front of you. But if Sale beat Northampton sixty points to three on Saturday, I don't think I'd feel as. And this, this is going to sound bizarre, but bear with me. I wouldn't feel as confident in this Sale team for the rest of the season than I would be if the if Sale won twenty four three. Yeah, because I think yeah, I, because I think if Sale put sixty points on on Northampton on Saturday, you you can chalk that you can easily chalk that down to Northampton just being off the game. But I think if Sale can grind out a you know a, a two three try win, you know play some really good defence, you know just just control, control the game tactically and you know win a that twenty four three twenty four ten that sort of game. I would feel so much more confident about Sale going into the rest of the season because I think, you know what, they've been able to, even when everything's not been going their way and they've not been able to just rack up tries like they're going out of fashion, they've still been able to put in a really good comprehensive performance, smother the opposition uh, and win a game um, quite handedly. And I'm not, I'm not crazy. You, you know, do, do, surely I'm not crazy. Like, Is that a sentiment you share, <laughs> this, this, this idea that, you know, what we need to see from Sale is just a, just a full eighty minute performance that just you know doesn't need to be a, a, a world beating you know a hundred point record breaking sort of performance. It, it just needs to be a good solid win. First sign of madness, mate. Saying I'm not crazy into a microphone on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there is there is an element of us that needs to learn to win ugly, isn't there? Because you look at the games we we should have targeted this season, Newcastle. You've got to win ugly, and we didn't. Exeter, you've got to win ugly, and we didn't. Leicester, you've got to win ugly, or you've got to, you know, those the close games we've come out on the wrong side of. It's a typical sale thing to do, um, really, to come out on the wrong side of close games. We very rarely have a good season in terms of that. But yeah, I, th- I do agree with you that a sixty-three. It's one of those where, you know, when at the start of a Lions tour, and they have their first game. And they say, you know, against, you know, like uh, New Zealand Barbarians, it was this year, the Barbarians the year before. Um, I think against when they went to South Africa, didn't they play Argentina or the Millennium or something? And uh, that might be New Zealand in 2005, actually. But they always say before those games, we don't want an 80 point battering. We want a sort of 50 point win, where, because an 80 point battering gives you nothing going forward. And maybe that's what's happened with Gloucester. And Irish, maybe that's where the sort of fault lies. That you know we haven't. It hasn't been a. I mean, Gloucester was a very weird game in that our defence was really good, 
but we just we lived off scraps and mm. you know it was a rope-a-dope sit back take the punches and we got as you say a lucky bounce for Denny's try um you know great interceptions from Byron McGuigan um who we should mention is um also we'll come back to that we'll come back to that um but you know there's I think yeah, there's an element of needing to win ugly, and I think hopefully, I don't I don't want an ugly game, but if we can put in a performance where it isn't just us running away with it like it was against Irish and Gloucester, and we can prove to ourselves that we've got the mentality to win the big games that we need to win, that'll help us massively going forward to Worcester. Biggest question ahead of Saturday's game against Northampton, as you all know, half past five kickoff. How many people come through the turnstiles? Let's, let's go off field for a second. Like, what do you think? Shall we make be? some predictions for the crowd? Um, yeah. So let's think. England are playing beforehand, as are the other home nations. But uh, it is being shown. At it the is being stadium. shown the game, but there may be a, some portion of the. I mean, I don't know how many fans we have sailed down to Twickenham for a game against Samoa. Maybe not that many, actually. Um, I think it's probably going to be a 4,000, 5,000. Um, I do like that we've gone Saturday. It makes, I mean, just from a purely personal point of view, it makes my life way easier because I don't have to get out of work and battle the um, M60 of an evening. Um, yeah, I think Yeah, I think it's going to be a 4,000, 5,000. I, I can't see it being revolutionary, but I think it might be the start of building the crowds back up. Getting to around Christmas is a really good time to target families and, you know, we're turning this into a business podcast together, aren't we? but you know families coming in get all the people all your family down to sale you know we're playing bath just before Christmas at home you know it's there's an opportunity to sort of really get some people back into rugby and give them a bit of a love of it um, and hopefully you know showing the England game beforehand is a really good thing to do and obviously it's kind of an obvious thing to do but that's the kind of thing they have to do when they pull in people because of it you know come down have a beer and uh, am I sounding like James now? Come down, have a beer, have a drink, watch the game. It'd be really good. Watch, watch England, watch Sale, you know, and then be on your way. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to guess four thousand seven hundred. Proud. You know, what, I'm. I, I've been bleating on about Saturday kickoffs for so long that I just hope we get about ten thousand coming. <laughs> you need and, a win, and, don't you and it's just, and it's just a big like. <laughs> I don't want to say F you to the powers that be because I, I appreciate them trying to make make a difference, but it would be great if it just vindicates everything we've been saying for the last couple of years that Friday nights at AJ Bell aren't going to work. Friday nights at AJ Bell aren't working. We need to move to Saturday or Sunday. Bit concerned about United playing Brighton earlier that day, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 something that 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 you can preempt, unlike an accident on the M60, and it should allow Sale to, to you know enough time to plan ahead. I, I just I just want to see and I just think you know Saturday at Northampton if, if nothing else even if the crowd says exactly the same I guarantee you we'll probably see like an extra uh, 20 or 30 points compared to what we saw against um, uh, against Exeter uh, a few weeks ago just because you know the ground's tougher and the conditions are better and balls go to hand and you know we've now signed you know we haven't signed a lock and, uh, and a loose head to tie up the pack we've signed Marlon Yard 
and uh, Rohan Janzi van Rensburg. You know, these two, you know, game-changing backline talents who, who need, you know, good ball and good conditions to, to really flourish. And I think that's that's going to make a big difference. But I really do hope Sale um, Sale do pull in the crowds on Saturday. So if you're listening, get yourself down. And just, just if nothing else, just to vindicate me. Um, I'm going to say, let's do some predictions for Saturday in terms of the game. And we're going to switch over to James, who's also recorded his prediction. James? Uh, so my pessimism is gone. I'm going to go for Sale 28, Northampton 13. And what about you, Alex? I am going to go for a bit of front football, Sale, Faf on it, James O'Connor hopefully in the team, Yard to put in a good home debut, Van Rensburg off the bench to come and tear it up and become a crowd favourite instantly, Sale 30, 30, Sale 30, Northampton 12. I'm going to say, just because I said it before, 24-10. I'm hoping this is the game. This is the the really impressive, um, you know, just solid grind, grind out, solid win, couple of tries, nothing, you know, nothing uh, to, to reinvent the wheel, but just really, really sort of solid play um, all around. Could probably mention as well, really quickly, you know, why we're so confident that this side of, obviously, Northampton, they're missing some really key players. And, and, I've not been following Saints as closely as, as as James has, but if Sale are to lose on Saturday, let's go worst case scenario. Yeah, you know they should have beaten Leicester given how given how many players Leicester were away. Do we come back to the podcast next week and say we still couldn't beat Northampton at home, even with you know Hartley and Laws and the rest out? Is it then time to press the panic button? Uh, it's not time to press the panic button, but I will be really disappointed if we don't beat Northampton. I, I think we've just. On paper, on paper, our team is stronger than theirs. So we are better than them on paper. Can we be better than them on grass on Saturday? That's the question. Last one for me. Rohan Janzi van Rensburg. Saw him on Instagram today. He was in the gym with the Sale Boys. Yes, I saw this. What do you... Um, a, what do you make of him? He's uh, huge. He's, a, he's just massive, isn't he? I can't get over it. I can't get over how someone someone so big can be so quick and uh, so sort of skillful. Yeah, his legs of... are like tree trunks. It's obscene. I, I am. It makes me. I know. There's there's few times I don't want to be a professional rugby player, in terms of lifestyle and everything. But he makes me not want to be a professional rugby player because I don't know what I'd do. I think I'd I'd just let him past. I'd go and yeah. play for the other team. So and I'm excited. I'm excited if he if he makes it into the team, I'll be really really happy. Out of interest, if he is fit and available, do you think he gets a start, or do you think yeah. he's he's been bench by bench impact? I think he's bench impact. And may I point out, he's one of three backs on the bench, not two, Mister Diamond and Associates. I would oh, well, I think... your thoughts. Would you have him in? I mean, I. <laughs> I, I, you know what I'd say I'd love to see him making that impact off the bench but I have a horrible feeling if he was on the bench Diamond wouldn't use him yes that's very true that's very and with that that's another episode of the Shark Time Podcast finished thank you to everybody who uh, who listens to our nonsense week after week we really appreciate the support we really appreciate the three word reviews we really appreciate we had really lo- loads of good feedback on the Mark Jennings interview we did last week and, and we're glad that everyone enjoyed that um, as much as we did um, putting it together um, we are continuing as I say this every week we're making this podcast by supporters for supporters for the Sharks community as a whole 
I want to say a big thank you to James, who, although he couldn't join us, was still able to get his input in. Um, you know, big big shout out to uh, uh, to the glue that holds the podcast together, as I'm pretty sure he said a couple of weeks ago. Um, but <laughs> those are his that. words, yeah, yeah, yeah. But big thank you to James, and, and thank you to Alex as always for joining me. Yes, thank you, mate. And a quick thank you again to Opta. We really appreciate this. It's been awesome. It has made my statistical dreams come true. And a final point, congrats to Byron McGriggan um, on his Scotland debut. Stuart Hogg should be better at offloading because then he'd have scored the winner. But there we are. Um, so, yeah, and as again, thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks to Lewis for bringing this podcast to life every week. Let's. Uh, let, it's not going to get better than that. So let's let's uh, let's end it on a high. Speak to everyone next.